Hello, welcome to Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. This podcast is brought to you by Kimray. You can visit us at kimray.com to see our full slate of training materials, resources, videos, quick tips, and other things to help you do your job better. My name is Curtis. I'm here today with a couple of guests that are Kimray folks, but I think, Chase, I think you've been on before. Greg, I don't know that you've been on yet, but uh, so Chase is, uh, Chase Henley is a business development manager focused on, uh, right now, MENA and Canada and Asia Pacific, right? That is correct, yep. Got it, so, okay. So, um, and then Greg, you're a product manager over the Kimray Glycol Pump and kind of any international needs, is that is that sum it up? Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll let you explain some more about that in a little bit. Uh, so last weekend was, was uh, as you're recording, was, was July 4th, so I wanted to start there. Did you guys have a good 4th? Did you travel anywhere? Any fun stuff? Uh, yeah, had a great fourth. Did a little family time at the pool and then cook out. And then we went and watched some fireworks at this uh, neighborhood, actually, that puts on a show. They get a permit from the city and put on a show that rivals any around here in the metro. And the only the only problem is you're so close to the show that when the fireworks explode, they are... Uh, all the ash and paper and everything is just falling right on top of you. You're literally right underneath the, underneath the show. So that's exciting. With small kids around. Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, <laughs> before the show starts, everybody lights off their own fireworks, so you're kind of on edge the whole time. You never know what's coming your way. Greg, did you do anything good? Oh uh, yeah, it was uh, action-packed weekend. We had um, that Saturday before we had a, a birthday party I attended that had some fireworks, and then. My neighborhood is right next to um, Frontier City, so we get to see at least four days of fireworks usually every night at 9.30, so we enjoyed that. And then actually on the 4th, we had a little cookout and birthday celebration for my oldest, so we just kind of joined the two together. So we had a lot of family over, and in our neighborhood always our cul-de-sac gets together, and we have all the kids do fireworks, and then the adults get to play at the end when – with the big uh, fireworks, so it was good times. So you guys are are in our international, I guess, group and and uh, thinking about how production works in various areas of the world outside of, of North America. And we haven't touched on that a ton on this show, and so uh, wanted to have you guys in and just kind of pick your brains about um, what it, what it's like in in your world. So so maybe. Uh, Chase, if you want to start, just because you've worked, I mean, in domestic and international, right. uh, even going back before Kim Ray. So what what are some differences that you've experienced in, that people who just operate in North America may not may not know about? Yeah, so there's, there's quite a few differences. So, I mean, when I first started international, somebody, I, I, I don't remember who it was now, somebody over there in one of the regions was like, hey, the paper is worth more than the metal. Uh, talking about, it may have been Greg here actually, uh, was um, talking about like the certifications and the uh, the test reports and all the all the documentation that it takes to get something from start to finish made here in Oklahoma all the way to uh, Dubai or Cairo or or wherever it ends up. Um, that that documentation is is more important than uh, the actual valve itself. Of course, it's it's a regulated industry, but is it, is it also like the customs and getting it through different countries, that kind of thing, or? 
uh, all of the above. Yeah, customs is a big thing uh, for sure. And Greg, jump in at any time. But yeah, there's they always need like certificates of conformity and and uh, certificates of origin, things like that for customs to to clear the customs and um, then documentation for uh, a lot of the companies are. Uh, government-owned oil companies, so you got to have a lot of documentation and certification, certifications, and different things for uh, just to do business with them. So it's it's not like the domestic days of calling and saying, "Hey, I need a, an AAR. I'll I'll be by there in an hour to pick it up and exchange a credit card and walk out the door." It's it's, it's a lot different than that. Greg, would you add anything else to that? I know you've been deep in certification world before as well. Oh, yeah, it's definitely driven by that. Um, I, I feel like some of it is can be bar- like used as barriers to entry at times, but a lot of it is just, like he said, it's governmental entities. They want to document everything. They want to make sure that everything is covered um, from, from top to bottom. So they want to, in some of these countries over time, in the past they might have got materials that weren't, certified properly they got charged additional for the material so now they're wanting to make sure do their due diligence that they make sure they know what materials they're getting where they're coming from there's a lot of regulation as far as where material are coming a lot of things now coming about where they want to make sure they know where the the actual materials or items being assembled where they're at so the documentation comes in play there as well so it's a lot of tracking purposes but also like you said getting through customs as well. There's a lot of documentation. They want to make sure they're protecting their, the country that they're in and protecting their um, manufacturers in the country as well. So, what's How about, how about uh, trips you've gotten to go on? Uh, either one of you guys, Chase, can start with you. But uh, and, and just, I don't know, what's the environment like? Yeah, so, so far I've been to Cairo, Egypt twice. I've been to Kuwait, uh, Dubai, and Abu Dhabi. Um, environment's uh, a whole lot different than what it is uh, is here. Kuwait uh, resembles a lot like uh, Odessa, Texas, but uh, it's, it's great. The landscape, yes, the landscape. Um, I, but they're getting more and more westernized. I actually had the best beef ribs I've ever had in my life in Kuwait. <laughs> um, and the french fries that came with it were out of this world. And then Dubai is just and Abu Dhabi are just insane. Uh, the amount of architecture and, and modern architecture and buildings and it's it's very very neat. Um, but then we've got, we've got a lot of trips on the books um, uh, this summer. Actually, we have a group in Colombia right now. Uh, myself and some others are heading to Aberdeen, Scotland, and London in a week. Then we got Canada later this summer, and then we have uh, Romania, Turkey, Dubai, and Abu Dhabi um, back in September. So busy every every month for the next three months. A lot of trips. So, so I saw this video years ago. It stuck with me. It's a guy. Okay, so it's two guys. They're uh, yeah, I think they're in Egypt, and they're at like a drive-through zoo kind of thing, and mm-hmm. this. Uh, uh, camel is like stuck its head in the in the car in the window yeah and yeah and he's like i think the driver had a sandwich or something and kept licking at it like <laughs> and the guy on the other side was just dying laughing but the guy with the sandwich was freaking out and uh 
so anyway it was like the, the like and kind of egging it on you know and yeah. so the caption was like guys will be guys kind of where you know across the world <laughs> and uh anyway i was curious if there's like i don't know does it at any level does it feel like okay i'm, I'm walking around with a kind of a, a good old boy in texas like looking at production facility or is it like very structured and reg regimented and you have to watch where you go and some of those things well, it, it kind of de depends on, on the country or the customer. I went to uh, a couple of locations, or one in particular in, in Egypt, that there was guys out there working in flip-flops. Um, and <laughs> and then some others uh, closer to, uh, like, the Red Sea and uh, another part of Egypt that you, I mean, you couldn't walk out on the like road by yourself you had to be in their company car um and this was just to get to the offices that are within the plant and um well, very very strict rules um tons of signage of where to walk what to do all that kind of stuff so two opposite ends of the spectrum there with a uh, hundred miles apart <laughs> interpreter with you most of the time no, actually, uh, really? most most of the people that I talked to um, in every country I've been so far speak English, uh, at least somewhat. And then if if the end user, the customer that we're going to see struggles with it, the distributor that we're with, they handle a lot of the interpretation back and forth, which is just kind of right then and there kind of thing, no planned interpretation. I agree. You've been to a foreign country uh, for a while called Louisiana. Yes. Uh, yes. I spent some time there. <laughs> talk about the differences in Louisiana and everywhere else in the country. Well, I haven't really been. I've been to Abu Dhabi and Dubai, but Louisiana, it's, it has its parts. I mean, as far as, like he was saying, as far as getting on locations, pretty much some of the times in Louisiana, you can walk up on the location without any PPE. I remember going out there one time, I had my my hard hat on, I had my safety goggles, FRs, and guys out there with with shorts on, with a baseball cap with nothing else on, smoking a cigarette on the, uh, right next to the um, wellhead. And he's just like, hey, we're not worried about igniting anything, we're just worried about pressure. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a different place out there, but that's not every location out there. Some of them, you know, depending on the company and things like that, you know, you have to have permission to get on, sign-ins, and they're locked up. But a lot of the locations, you could just – that's how I learned a lot. On the weekends, I would go and just – in that area, I'd just go drive around certain areas I knew, and you could pull up on location. I made sure I had my PPE on just in case they had cameras or something. But, um, but I would go, and that's how I would get serial numbers and things like that off of those – and I said, it was pretty open, so, you know. And then I knew some of those guys that were in the area anyway. So he's like, Greg, go out there and look at whatever you want to, so. I would assume you look back on that as like a time where you you learned maybe the most in your career. Yeah, uh -huh. I, learned a, I learned a lot. I was in the repair shop quite a bit. I was able to get out in the field quite a bit and see the different things and working with the customers a lot. But, you know, just that experience, like I said, I worked out of the – Shreveport store for a while before it shut down and then outside out of, outside the Kilgore I actually was able to go up to Fort Smith Arkansas as on occasions because that was a kind of the other area that I covered so you want to give a shout out to and your boys down there Quentin 
Oh yeah, Quentin. Hello, how you Sheldon. doing, buddy? Sh Sheldon, um, Ryan Guzman. That's my boy. He's always been a good help. He was a good friend when I was out there. He'd always watch out for me. And to this day, he's a great guy. He's I think he's account manager out there still. And um, those guys are great. They helped out a lot while I was out there. Made it a lot easier since I didn't have any family or friends out there. But well, uh, now have you been able to travel internationally yet, Greg? Are you gonna get to? Um, the goal is to the, this year was the goal to go to two different locations. So hopefully, at some point I get with the team. I think the only place I've actually gone right now is to Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Never didn't get to go out into the field in those areas. It was more of a trade show, and then we met with our distributor out there at their location and things like that. But that's that's the goal for the future is to make at least two international trips a year. So just depending on where where the major focus is and what we're looking at for the year. So so let's jump into these customer questions here. Uh, Chase, are there are there questions that you get regularly? I mean, it probably differs by area. Maybe not. I don't know, but. What are some questions that, that you get regularly dealing with with customers? Yeah, it definitely differs uh, by area, but there are uh, there are those questions that it doesn't matter what area of the world you're in, uh, you're going to see. And I touched on it earlier, but the certifications that's that's one we get um, almost on a daily basis. Um, what certifications can you offer? Uh, what testing can you provide? Can it be? Hydro tested? Can you have material test certifications done? Um, uh, we need NACE certification for H2S and CO2, and um, we need uh, this certificate or that certificate. So this it's um, definitely, definitely one that we see quite often in just about every area uh, that I've dealt in. So when you get the, that question, like, is that like, oh yeah, talk to Greg? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, there. I mean, there's that's probably ninety percent of uh, mine and Greg's uh, team's messages back and forth is about, hey, what what about this certification or this uh, this request? But no, we've got a list of the different certifications that we offer, and if there's any fee for that additional paperwork, or if that's a uh, free of charge adder kind of thing and and we'll usually either just give them that one specific they're asking for or um, sometimes like just earlier this morning there was a request for what certifications do you offer not about anything specific and so we just provided the whole list for them to see so two follow-up questions on that would be what from a producer standpoint would help us in that communication process like what would you want from a producer up front uh just just laid out there in the initial request what uh, what you're going to need a lot of times that that unfolds throughout the conversation as you're asking clarifying questions about their application about um, what their end goal and what they're trying to accomplish is uh, but if they already know up front that they're going to need NACE certification or um, they're going to need MTRs, uh, then that's, that's something that would be helpful right up front uh, just, to, just to start the process with. Yeah, it can be difficult to get that information sometimes at the beginning, depending on who you're talking to, if it's a reseller or the actual end user. So, you know, getting that information is, is very important for us as far as our processes to make sure we are able to provide that information and not get down the line and realize, oh, we're about to ship this. Oh, they needed hydro. Oh, we need this type of MTR, and then having to go back and spend a lot of time trying to figure that out, or 
not having the solution for the customer at that point in time when the order is almost ready to ship. So like you said, it is, it's very important for us to get that information, if they could provide that information up front. Now your larger major companies and things like that, they, they already have this laid out. So when they give us a data sheet or give us a specification document, it usually has like a, a supplier's um, list of requirements, which gives you those type of testing depending on what type of valve or what type of regulator they're looking for so those guidance beforehand are really really good for us so we can know how to proceed or do we or not proceed yeah so in addition to you know the application and sizing some of those things like what are your what are your certification requirements so we've been doing this for a little while now and uh, dedicating some resources and building our international team what about for maybe listeners who are are working as a supplier and they're, you know, wanting to do more international stuff, um, what advice would you have for, for them? Uh, my advice really would be just, you know, work on your relationships, you know, making sure you understand your customer, their needs, you know, um, asking those upfront questions as far as requirements, what their goals are, and make sure you understand. My, my key is make sure you understand the application that you're, in that market that you're in to truly understand what those needs are so you can provide the correct solution is kind of what I would say I would advise them to. Love it. All right, Chase, you got any other common questions you got? One that I see quite a bit um, is just around like technical support and training Um, because Kimray is is a well-known product domestically um, but it's not as well known internationally. So there's a lot of, a lot of question around uh, what the product does and, and how it operates. And um, so usually we can, we can look at some of the other competitors out there and say, hey, it's, it's, it's similar to this valve, let me explain it um, kind of thing. Uh, but then I, I offer weekly uh, training sessions to different distributors, and one of one of my distributors is they bring a, a different customer every week on for the training. So um, that's there's a lot of technical support in those sessions. Is there anything that I don't know comes up regularly, like under like explaining the pilot plug and regulators, or not one question in particular that that comes up repeatedly. Um, if you get a lot of these people, uh, a lot of customers on the phone or on the, the meeting, and it's, it's like any meeting. The, the more people there are, the generally more quiet the meeting and training is. So um, try to keep them uh, fewer in number. That way we can just have dialogue the whole time. And so there's nothing in particular that stands out in every training. So. Yeah, I've seen in some of our some of the trainings they they sometimes the key that they're wanting to figure out, especially when we're doing training with our distributors and things like that, is they have a solution already in place, but they're trying to figure out where Kimray fits in that. So it's kind of saying, okay, you have this particular valve in service now, you might be having an issue with it, or you might want to just shop around to see what other options that you have that might be more cost effective or maybe get a quicker delivery on. So understanding they want to know, hey, where is Kimray fit in that? So I have this valve, where is Kim, where, what Kimray can fit that particular application? And I know that's kind of that question that comes up all the time is, okay, 
this one one apples to I guess you say apples to oranges or oranges to oranges whatever but that's kind of the question that usually comes up a lot of the times all right any more questions uh Chase one I would say that that comes up pretty regularly is just around the materials that we offer um whether it be actual body materials um what type of steel we're using uh, elastomer materials things like that um and what we can offer um, if they need something more robust than what our standard offering is. So um, that's probably something we see a, a pretty pretty regularly as well. How do you just kind of concisely answer that? Like, <laughs> yes, we have a lot of different things. Um, generally, I, I phrase it back to them as a question. Well, what, what do you need? What are you looking for? Or um, if I kind of know some somewhat about the application, I'll say, okay, well, what what are your temperatures? What are your max temperatures? What are your max pressures? Is there any H2S in your gas stream or things like that, that kind of start leading the conversation to the right, uh, right place of what material that they are going to end up needing. So. All right. So we like to end the show, uh, gentlemen with, with a recommendation. So it could be, uh, oil and gas related, international, domestic, whatever, or it could be something off the wall, just in your personal life a sport or an activity or a food or a, a uh, show or something that you've uh, enjoyed that you would recommend to others. So uh, who wants to go first? Uh, this last weekend, we went to a restaurant for my dad's birthday. Uh, if anyone's familiar with Oklahoma City, they're trying to revitalize the old town of Britain um, on Britain and Broadway Extension. And there's a restaurant there called El Coyote. And... I got this um, green chili double cheeseburger with a fried egg on top. It's kind of a more New Mexican style food than traditional like Tex-Mex, and it was fantastic, really good. So go go check it out, El Coyote. What's so crazy about that is that used to be my old barber shop before uh, it turned into the restaurant. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. There there is a barber shop like three or four doors down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mine was right there on the corner there. Nice. It was, a, it was an architecture company in the back and I, he finally sold out. So the front part was my barber shop. So that <laughs> my barber had to leave and yeah. switch locations. That's funny that you say that. Yeah. So I can uh, go back there and reminisce a bit. Yeah, you can get you some good food while <laughs> right, you're at exactly. it. Have a good burger. Yeah. I like that. I've got one that's kind of food food uh, related as well, but you don't have to go out to do it, right? So it's it's peppers and onions, right? So I've started just sauteing peppers and onions, a little bit of butter, and just putting it in my eggs, putting it in my uh, turkey, I mean, chili, just all kinds of stuff. And uh, man, it's just delicious. Like it just smells awesome when you're, when you're cooking it. And uh, it's simple and, and dumb, but I tend to be kind of a, a meat and potatoes kind of person. I just eat what there is and don't necessarily try to add a lot of spices, but... And just dicing up some some peppers and onions and throw it throw it in everything. I wish I had a food, a food. Um, I'm not a big foodie. Well, I, what what I will endorse is just empathy. I know our world is. I know it's kind of cliche, but I would recommend everybody showing a little bit more empathy nowadays. You know, just take your shoes off and put somebody else's shoes on, just for a second. Sometimes it might be scary, but at the but you'll learn something. I think you'll grow each time you do that. And you'll be able to, you know, relate to a lot, a lot more people, see a different perspective in life. So that's what I would recommend. 
Oh man, I like that, Greg. We go food, and you're like, oh, let's, let's go. Let's go a little deep thinking, higher level there. Yeah, a little deeper there, fellas. That's good, man. Empathy, green chili cheeseburger with an egg on top, peppers and onions. Uh, we'll end it there. So uh, thanks, fellas, for for jumping on, and we'll have uh, links to some of the resources that we mentioned in this uh episode as well as how to connect with with greg and chase if you'd like to do that um and of course directions to el coyote so we'll uh, we'll catch you next time on stuff you should know about oil and gas production